From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome and thanks for tuning in and making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, revealing testimony today on Capitol Hill surrounding the dark and destructive agenda that's being pushed by transgender activists and their allies. And my parents were required to sign off on these, um, but it was under duress. I don't think it was really consent. It was coercion. They were told, they were given the the false dichotomy of either child transitions or she dies. It was Chloe Cole, a girl who was pushed to become a boy. And now she has detransitioned back to a girl. She was pleading for Congress to act to protect children. FRC's Dr. Jennifer Bowens testified before the subcommittee today, and she'll join me later with a full report. And more documents being released by the House Judiciary Committee today that clearly show that the Biden White House was working with Facebook to silence critics of their COVID overreach. By the way, the censorship industrial complex of the Biden administration was also a part of yesterday's Judicial Committee hearing. They determined you made, you and all of your cohorts made no distinction between domestic speech and foreign speech. So don't stand there and tell me under oath that you only focused on adverse, you know, uh, adversaries around the world, foreign actors. That's not true. That was uh, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson questioning the Homeland Security Secretary. We'll get more on yesterday and today's hearing when Congressman Mike Johnson joins us in just a moment. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was on ABC this morning to defend his administration's judicial reform efforts in Israel that President Biden has publicly opposed. This is something that concerns millions of Israelis who for the last 20 years feel that they're going to the polls, they're voting in a government, they're voting in for policies that are then nullified by a a judiciary that basically arrogated itself the powers of of the majority. And that, that I don't think, is right for democracy. That's what's driving this reform. Sounds a lot like what we've been through. We're going to get an update on the uh, reform efforts and the political unrest that's taking place in Israel from CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell, live from Jerusalem a little bit later. And the White House press secretary saying President Biden will take political aim tonight at Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville because the senator is standing in the way of Mr. Biden's military abortion agenda. The senator's action and the failure on the part of the 48 Republican senators to do something about it are dangerous. They are harming our military readiness. They're undermining national security and they're hurting troop morale. And tonight, President Biden is going to make that clear. Well, we're going to talk about that because let me tell you what is undermining our nation's military and our national security. It's an administration that has pledged its allegiance to abortion. That's what's hurting the men and women who have pledged allegiance to our Constitution. It's not a senator who's trying to uphold the law or protect the unborn. It's... President Joe Biden and his administration. We're going to talk about that. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked for him, but Jesus was praying for him that his faith would hold. 
Satan wants to trip us up, use us to bring reproach upon the name of Jesus and tarnish God's kingdom. But if we belong to Jesus, he's interceding for us. Paul in Romans 8 writes that Jesus is at the right hand of God making intercession for you and me. Peter went on to deny Jesus, but did his faith fail? His faith held. Even in his denial of Jesus, as he returned to the Lord, repented, and was restored. Faith, true faith, anchored in Christ, will hold. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. A self-described queer surgeon boasting on video about the experimental, irreversible, and life-altering invasive procedures he conducts on children was among the many outrages exposed at the House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing today. Now, Democrats at the hearing claimed that parental concerns about these surgeries are mere right-wing talking points. But the powerful testimony from witnesses who have undergone such procedures or had biological males in their women's locker rooms demonstrated how mistaken they are. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is Congressman Mike Johnson. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana, and he chaired today's hearing. Congressman Johnson, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you. Hey, Tony. Great to be with you, as always. Uh, I I wasn't in the committee room, but I watched the committee hearing today. I thought you did a great job uh, shepherding that process. It's always kind of difficult. It's like uh, herding cats. But I want to get your reaction to the hearing today and I know you know this stuff inside and out, but was there anything that you heard today that even shocked you? Well, what's shocking is that how our Democrat colleagues try to pretend that this is somehow a service to young children. What what we expose today is really the, the nightmare, the horror that is happening now uh, increasingly around the country. You have adults who are doing this terrible experiment upon young children. They are uh, surgically modifying their anatomy. Um, it's hard to use uh, language that's appropriate for mixed audiences to describe what they are doing to young children very often without parental consent. And, and they, are, uh, they are doing long-term untold damage to these children physically, mentally, spiritually. And, and we had some very compelling testimony in the committee today uh, to affirm much of that. But the surprising thing, Tony, is is how some of my colleagues just deny the reality of this. It, it's a political issue for them, and it's it's absolutely staggering that that's the case. I mean, how do they look at uh, Chloe Cole? I think she's now 18 years old. She started in this process at the age of 13. She has, as I mentioned at the top of the program, since detransitioned. But she told members of Congress today, quote, let me be your final warning. I mean, is this something that Congress can ignore? Yeah, today was was Chloe Cole's birthday, 19. She turned 19 today, and she spent it with us. And it was an emotional uh, testimony that she shared because of the horrors that she went through. She she felt a little bit tomboyish and a little insecure because she was uh, developing a little uh, faster than some of her classmates, she said, when she was at that young, tender age. And and just merely mentioning that to a healthcare provider put her on this fast track to to change, try to change her sex. As she pointed out, that's really a misnomer. You can't change your sex. We're born this way. It's a natural process. You're not assigned a gender at birth, as the left says. 
you're born male or female. This is how uh, God creates us. And, and, and she said, it's all just a, a, a big smoke and mirrors operation, but it has huge, huge implications for the people involved. And so she has physical long lasting effects of this. She's now detransitioned. She's a, a beautiful young woman, but she says she feels like a monster sometimes because of what they've done to her and her body and her description of what they've done was just was just difficult to to listen to. But again, you have Democrats in Congress who just want to affirm this. They want to allow these, I call them butchers, these surgeons right. who are doing these terrible things to children and they 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 pretend as though that's that's some sort of benefit to society. It's just outrageous. Well, Ms. Cole has uh, since filed uh, a suit against the medical establishment, the doctors that led her down this path. And I think that's quite interesting that uh, this, I think, is going to open up the medical field for a lot of uh, legal liability. And it's going to be interesting to see if the trial lawyers will go against the left on this because, I mean, they're kind of all in the same cabal to go after those who have taken advantage of these young people. Well, the money may be a great allure there. I, you know, follow the money. I, we, we made the point in the hearing as well that there's big pharmaceutical companies and others who have a financial interest in using pharmaceuticals off-label, in other words, in ways that the FDA has never approved to chemically castrate children. I mean, that's literally, quite literally, what is happening. They're, they're um, stalling puberty. They're, they're giving drugs to young boys to make them more feminine and, and vice versa for the girls. It, it's just a it's just really sickening to see uh, what is what is going on. And and of course, they're violating the rights of these these uh, persons. They're not giving them fully informed consent for these medical procedures. And yes, it is a, a gross violation of medical standards in, in most places. It's medical malpractice and it should be regarded as such. I'm heartened, Tony, that I think 27 states now, including in our home state of Louisiana, have passed state level legislation to prevent this kind of butchery from happening in their jurisdictions. And in our state, as you well know, the Democrat governor vetoed it, and in a historic special session, our legislature came back and overrode that veto. So they're being yeah. applauded for that, and we need much more of that courage around the country. That's right. I think only the third time in uh, 50 years, so it's, it's, it's a rare occasion. But this is, a, this is an issue that is driving a lot of people to action because they see, just as you have described here, the atrocities being perpetrated on young children. I want to switch gears. The uh, House Judiciary Committee today, the chairman Jim Jordan releasing documents to show that the White House clearly, clearly uh, was in collusion with Facebook to silence those who were critical of their COVID overreach policies. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is not just Jim Jordan's opinion or mine or, or members of Congress. We've had a federal court affirm this now as well, this landmark opinion that we've discussed out of, again, out of our home state, Louisiana, the states of Louisiana and Missouri sued the Biden administration a while back because we had a hunch that this was happening. And, and in the discovery of that case, the federal court issued a 155-page ruling on July 4th, I think symbolically, to point out what the court regards as, as arguably, this is the court's quote, arguably the most massive attack on free speech in United States history. What the court said is, and the facts show that the Biden White House, the Department of Justice, the FBI and other agencies were meeting regularly with the social media platforms and pulling down and censoring, suppressing, silencing speech and free speech protected postings of conservatives for expressing a viewpoint that the White House disagreed with. It sounds like a dystopian novel or something, but that has happened. It is happening. 
and and now the evidence proves it. Are we going to be seeing more of this? I mean, we, yesterday in the Judiciary Committee, I mean, we saw how, uh, in, in fact, you you held the secretary's feet to the fire on this. You're calling in the most dishonest witness you've ever had uh, in the seven years you've been in Congress. It, it doesn't seem like they're giving the American people any answers, any information. There's no transparency. No, they're not. And the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, as you noted, was in our hearing yesterday, and he was evasive. He he was just he said things that were demonstrably untrue on the record under oath, and I called him on it. I take no pleasure in doing that, Tony. I, I don't want to call a cabinet secretary a liar, but I, I just said, frankly, that is the honest truth. He is, he is the most deceptive witness I've ever seen in any hearing, and he, and he did that for hours on end. He doesn't provide us the information we need to perform our, our, our really essential function as oversight in the Congress over his agency. And so he's personally responsible for the open border, for the, the fentanyl catastrophe that's overtaken the country and killing innocent Americans, for the human trafficking problem across the border, all of it. And he just, he just takes no responsibility at all. These people think they're untouchable. And so we've got to bring accountability one way or the other, and we're working on that every day. It's like every day brings a new revelation of corruption in this administration. Uh, Mike Johnson, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you, my friend. Great to see you. All right, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. All right, when we come back, uh, CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell will join us live from Jerusalem as we take a look at the judicial reform efforts that the prime minister has been uh, working on and the political unrest. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, this week, Israeli lawmakers in the Knesset approved the first bill of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's judicial reform effort that aims to remove some authority from unelected judges. Now, the reform effort has led to protests on the streets of Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, concerns of a strike by military reservists, uh, as well as criticism from President Biden and his administration. Joining me now, live from Jerusalem for an update, is CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for uh, working the night shift. <laughs> Great to be with you, Tony, and uh, glad to be working the night shift with you. All right. So describe what the Netanyahu coalition is attempting to do with their judicial reform efforts. Well, the law that was passed the other day is uh, removing from the Supreme Court the ability to strike down a law, a policy, a government action based on whether they see it as unreasonable. Uh, now, this is probably the most uh, uh, politically active court in the world, according to some. And uh, what they can do is that any, if the uh, legislature passes a law, if there's a government policy, they can determine on their own uh, opinion that it's unreasonable and they can strike it down. And that's something that the Supreme Court here in Israel has usurped to itself, uh, you know, many decades ago, a couple of decades ago. And uh, so that was what the law was designed to do, was to limit the ability of the Supreme Court based on their arbitrary opinion that whether or not any sort of action by the legislature would be reasonable and, and, and strike it down. Now, Chris, not identical, but it sounds very familiar to what we've heard in this country over the last 50 years, where almost every election cycle, the activist court somehow factors in. And we want to elect leaders who will elect judges who abide by the rule of law, by the Constitution. So it doesn't sound like it's that far-fetched from what we've had to deal with here. Yeah, there are some people, legal analysts like Robert Bork, uh, and the late Anthony Scalia and actually Ruth Ginsburg uh, had said that this, uh, they said it was untenable what the Supreme Court uh, can do over here. And uh, and Robert Bork, I believe, said it was the most powerful Supreme Court in the world. So that's some, some what's behind many of these uh, reforms. And uh, we had an interview the other day with Simka Rothman. Uh, he's one of the architects of this judicial reform. Uh, he was telling us that many of the people right now on the political left 
that are saying uh, that are criticizing this legislation actually were advocating the very same thing just a few years ago. Uh, his idea and the idea of uh, several a no number of people around here is that uh, the the protests that are going on in the streets now and have been going on for the last seven months are not just against judicial reform, but trying to undermine, demonize, delegitimize the Netanyahu government and bring it down. So let's talk about that. We, we hear the reports of the protest uh, from the U.S. media. Give us a, a, a better sense of what it's like there in Jerusalem and what's actually happening. Well, the protests, as I said, have been going on for about seven months, probably the most expensive protest uh, funded in the last uh, in Israel's history. Uh, this is a this is a group that uh, do come on the streets. A lot of Israelis are concerned. They do feel like uh, maybe the legislation will go too far the other way. You mentioned earlier in the program that ABC uh, interview with George Stephanopoulos and Prime Minister Netanyahu, he was saying they want to rebalance uh, the, the branches of government here, and they don't want to go too far the other way. They don't want to give too much power to the legislature, but they really want to rein in some of this uh, power that the Supreme Court has to give democracy, uh, you know, a better chance here. Now, the protesters are saying this is the end of democracy and the beginning of a dictatorship. Uh, I, I don't think that's true at all, but they are trying to rebalance uh, the branches of government here. One mitigating factor, Tony, is the fact that Israel does not have a constitution, so they don't have a framework uh, like the U.S. Supreme Court does. And uh, so that's what they're trying to do in lieu of not having a constitution. So what what are the next steps? What will be the next piece of legislation and the next uh, political move by the prime minister? Well, the probably next step, uh, Tony, is going to be a showdown because uh, already Yair Lapid here has taken uh, this legislation to the Supreme Court and also some uh, some non-government organizations have done the same. So they're going to hear those hearings in September. So that's really going to be a showdown. So you're going to have the Supreme Court ruling whether or not the legislature that has just passed a law limiting their powers is going to say, well, maybe that's unreasonable. So that's really going to be a showdown. In the in the meantime, there are other pieces of legislation that are that are down the line. And uh, as Simka Rothman was taking, uh, telling us, he wants to be able to negotiate with the opposition. Uh, he feels like they really haven't been doing that uh, right now. But one other thing, Tony, and he was telling us there's one NGO over here that gets State Department funds and they're helping pro uh, fund the protests. It doesn't mean that the State Department is doing that, and he was very clear about that, but he did say that the State Department is funding an NGO here that is helping the protests. So it's not a direct, but it is an indirect uh, help to these protests. Yeah, that that is not new. Uh, we're seeing that with this State Department on really uh, three primary issues in countries across the, the world uh, that is the issue of abortion, the whole transgender LGBTQ issue, and, and climate. They fund these uh, NGOs to try to shift policy in those countries. So, so Chris, as we, uh, we're coming up here to the break, but how can folks here in the United States, how can believers be praying for Israel and, and for the prime minister and, and for the people in general? Tony, very, very important time to be praying for Israel. There is really just a tearing at the threads of the uh, Israeli society here. Pray for wisdom for the leaders. Pray that there would be some negotiations and pray for reconciliation between Israelis. It's a very divisive time over here. 
uh, I would think that's maybe number one. Pray for reconciliation between uh, between these uh, Jewish brothers of ours. All right. Chris Mitchell, always great to see you. And again, uh, sincerely appreciate you staying up uh, so late there in Israel to join us. Sure. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. Chris Mitchell with CBN. A great source of information on what's happening in Israel. You can uh, find out more about him. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. All right. When we come back, uh, the president, the White House saying the president is going to take aim, political aim, at Senator Tommy Tuberville tonight because he has put a hold on military promotions for flag officers. That's the top brass. Because the the military changed their policies and are using taxpayer dollars to facilitate abortions. Well, the senator's now on the floor right now uh, defending his position. We're going to be joined by one of his colleagues. Senator Mike Lee of Utah is going to be joining us from the Senate floor right after this. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and it's good to have you with us on this Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we've talked a lot about this, and we'll continue to talk about it as long as it is an issue. And that is Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama continues his stand against the military's illegal abortion travel policy. Now, this is facilitating abortions with taxpayer dollars. Well, the left continues to target and vilify Alabama Senator. Last night, Senate Democrats took to the Senate floor to deliver personal attacks on the coach. And President Biden is expected to do the same tonight in a speech. In fact, earlier this afternoon, the White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, made this comment in her daily briefing. 
The senator's action and the failure on the part of the 48 Republican senators to do something about it are dangerous. They are harming our military readiness. They're undermining national security. And they're hurting troop morale. And tonight, President Biden is going to make that clear. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all I can do to to respond in a controlled manner to that. Let me tell you, I mentioned this at the top of the program. Let me tell you what's undermining national security and that is an administration that has pledged allegiance to killing the unborn. They're the ones that are putting at risk those who have pledged allegiance to the Constitution that wear the uniform of our military. So here's where we are. About 300 military promotions have been put on hold. Now, it doesn't mean they can't go through. They can if Chuck Schumer, Senate Democrat leader, wanted to put these on the floor and make them vote on each one of them, then they could go through. But normally they just throw them all in a batch and, and push them through. And Senator Tuberville says no. And, and here's what's happening. Courage breeds courage. Because of his stand, I think we got a very good National Defense Authorization Act out of the House. It emboldened House members to take a stand for what was right. And they started cleaning up some of the policies that the Biden administration has put into the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. Well, joining me now from the Senate floor, as uh, this is actually transpiring right now as we talk, is uh, a strong ally of Senator Tuberville, who has had his back the whole time, Senator Mike Lee of Utah. He joins us by phone. Senator Lee, thanks so much for taking time to join us. Give us the latest. Uh, thanks so much, Tony, and thank you for focusing on this. Look, Senator Tuberville is asserting what really is is the standard that the law sets, that the law puts in place under 10 U.S.C., Section 1093, a prohibition against the use of Department of Defense funding and facilities to perform abortions. And what the Secretary of Defense is doing is trying to create this two-cute-by-half loophole to get around, arguably, the, the letter of the law, but eviscerate the spirit of the law. He's done that by saying, okay, we're not going to perform the abortion or use it directly for the performance of the abortion. We're, we're just going to give people who want an abortion, women who want an abortion in the military, um, three weeks of paid leave time and paid interstate travel to do it. We'll reimburse all your travel for that. Not for everything else, but just for that. You know, Tony, they, if, if a soldier, female soldier, comes and says, I, I, I need to travel to another state to get an abortion, they'll be like, great, we'll give you three weeks of paid leave time and reimburse all your travel. If another soldier in the same uh, age, rank category and everything else comes and says, hey, my mother just died, I'd like to attend her funeral, they'll say, okay, but you're on your own, you'll have to use your own accumulated leave time, and you'll be paying your own travel expenses. That's how absurd this is. They're trying to get around it. So all Tommy Tuberville is doing is standing up for the law, standing up for where most Americans still agree when it comes to abortion, that no matter how they, where they stand on other issues related to abortion, they do agree overwhelmingly we shouldn't be using government funds to do it. So Tommy Tuberville should be rewarded. He should be praised, not attacked. Yeah, but it seems to be constant. And this could go away. I've made this point before. It could go away overnight and all these promotions could go through if the military simply went back to what the policy had been for years, what the law calls for. Exactly right. So these guys are losing credibility by the day when they come out and say, oh, Tommy Tuberville is single-handedly undermining U.S. military 
readiness and jeopardizing national security. That's absolute, utter nonsense. In the first place, we, we could let these whole, get these people confirmed immediately, like today, if all, all they would have to do is say, okay, we're going to hit pause on this and take a deep breath and not implement this policy. That's all they have to do. He'll lift the hold, and this will go away. Secondly, even if they didn't do that, they could still get these people confirmed. It just takes them a little bit longer. Tuberville is just refusing to do them a favor. Right. And that favor is letting things go on an expedited basis. That's a favor that senators are usually willing to do for the military. But Tuberville told Secretary Austin last December, if you take this move, because he had figured out they were considering it, I will not do you that favor anymore, and you'll have to go through the longer process of getting people confirmed. It only takes a couple hours per nominee. We could knock these out right. one after one. But Chuck Schumer doesn't want to do that. Why? Well, I think he likes using Tuberville as a whipping boy too much. He doesn't but, care as much about who gets confirmed, apparently, because he doesn't work on confirming them. He just complains. But this really shows that this administration is more committed to abortion, killing unborn children, than they are our nation's military. That's what it tells me. That's right. That's right. He's more, more interested in taking unborn human life and using government resources to facilitate that than he is focused on military readiness. This is part and parcel, Tony, of my, my grievances with this administration in general and the Department of Defense under Secretary Austin in particular. Yeah. They're a whole lot more about being woke than they are about being lethal, and lethal in a way that makes us safer. You're absolutely right. Senator Mike Lee, thank you for uh, stepping off the Senate floor to, uh, to give us an update. Thank you very much. All right, Senator Mike Lee of uh, Utah. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Dr. Jennifer Bowen. She's going to give us a report from today's committee hearing on the transgender push of children. That's next. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
and to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom, and you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Again, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we're counting down the last seven weeks until the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit in Washington, D.C., September the 15th through the 17th. And uh, we're counting it down by partnering with Seven Weeks Coffee. Now, Seven Weeks Coffee is a company committed to donating 10% of every sale to pregnancy centers nationwide. Now, you may recall at seven weeks of development, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. And for the first time, a heartbeat is clearly detectable. Seven Weeks Coffee's mission is to promote godly values, provide excellent coffee, and protect every beating heart. Now, here's where you come in. The first 100 people to register for the summit at prayvotestand.org and use the code seven weeks at seven weeks, the, the number seven weeks will receive a free bag of seven weeks coffee. It'll be shipped to them. So go to prayvotestand.org, register, put in the code seven weeks. And if you're one of the first hundred, you will get a pound of coffee. All right. Um, As we were uh, discussing earlier in the program with uh, Congressman Mike Johnson, who chaired today's subcommittee, it's really like we live in two different worlds when you talk about the Democrats and Republicans. I want to play a clip from one of the Democratic members of the committee today uh, where you had these individuals who had experienced this transgender push some of them detransitioned, some of them being forced to shower and undress in front of biological males. So this is um, Congresswoman Mary Scanlon of Pennsylvania, clip two. It's a cynical and frankly dangerous political attack on transgender children and their families, driven not by science or facts, but by polling and political strategists determined to mobilize conservative voters through fear. So let's start by setting the record straight. Gender-affirming care is safe and effective. 
She's the ranking member on the uh, the subcommittee. Now I want to go to uh, Congresswoman Harriet Hageman, who was actually on the program yesterday. She's a member of the Judiciary Committee. Here is what she had to say. Clip three. There are only two sexes, boys or girls, or boys are boys and girls are girls, and one cannot become the other. In fact, and especially when it comes to children, it seems to me that gender-affirming care is better described as sexual lobotomy. Increasingly, this, I think, is reflective of the two political parties. We have one party, and I will say I agree with what uh, Congresswoman Hageman had to say there. And, and, and there, there's the, the, the division is becoming so stark. Now, some are tempted just to, you know, to shrink back because this leads to conflict and controversy. Folks, if you would hear the testimony of these young people and what they we talked about a little bit earlier with Congressman Johnson, what they're being drawn into and pushed into by activists. You know, it reminds me of the scripture when Jesus said, you know, it'd be better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you're thrown into the sea if you keep one of these little ones from coming to me. We are directing children down a path of destruction, and folks, it is not a time to be silent. It is a time to speak out with clarity, with boldness, and with conviction against this. And I'm going to say it, and I'm saying it intentionally. It's not hyperbole. I believe this. This is a demonic agenda, and it's being driven by those who are being influenced by spiritual darkness. Joining me now to discuss this is FRC's Dr. Jennifer Bowen. She testified at this morning's hearing calling for lawmakers to protect children from adults in authority who are using their influence to push the medically unsound procedures that we are talking about. Joining me to discuss this is Dr. Bowens. She is the director of our Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council. She has more than 25 years of experience as a clinician providing trauma therapy to children and as a researcher investigating the psychological effects of traumatic stress. Dr. Bowens, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's always good to be with you, Tony. So, uh, Jennifer, uh, let's talk a little bit about the committee hearing today. I mean, you know this stuff inside and out, but was there anything that was surprising to you today? Um, I think one thing that was a little bit disheartening to me was there was there was a moment where Chloe Cole, who is one of the young um, uh, ladies who has detransitioned, uh, she was uh, she had a mastectomy at age thirteen, and she had a heartfelt connection with one of the other witnesses who was actually for gender affirming care and whose child is is going through. Um, these procedures right now. And, uh, and Chloe had this connection with her that was actually, it was, it was really beautiful to see. Uh, and she was just saying, I, you know, I, I don't think this is the right care. I hope that your child, that it doesn't go the way that what I experienced. And, and she said, you know, my parents were told that they would have a, a dead uh, child if they didn't go down this path. And and so she was offering uh, a real deep empathy. 
And I looked up, and this is what you wouldn't see on C-SPAN. Um, I saw some of the members, the Democrat members, and they they were so disengaged and, and disconnected and almost dissociated from what was happening in the room, um, as Chloe shared. And that, to me, uh, spoke volumes, because here you have this young girl who has been through, um, you know, hell and back to... Uh, share her story uh, to prevent other people from going through something something like uh, this horror that she's living in, and um, and and it was as as if it was too much of their time to pay attention. But I think the reality is, it's too painful to be perhaps supported by some of the advocacy groups uh, financially for their campaigns, and then to listen to what they're actually. Uh, aligned with, which is hurting children instead of helping them. And so I I think it, it almost is emotionally intolerable for them. So, I mean, is that kind of just willfully closing their eyes and their ears, making themselves blind and uh, and deaf to, to yeah, the voices it, of these young ones crying out for help? Yeah, it, it almost reminded me of the hearing that we um, learned about last week where um, you know, the, there was uh, information that was uh, shared in in a hearing about the surgical procedures that and the, the details of these surgical procedures. And um, a whole group of Democrats walked out of the room. And, you know, that's just that's really a shame because true compassion wants the best treatment for children. And, um, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, oh, we're the compassionate ones. We are the ones who care for kids. We this is life saving care. But you won't even stay in the room where this kind of care is being discussed because it's it's just so egregious to you. But, you know, at the same time, you'll endorse it and take money from groups that support it. Um, that's very troublesome to me. You mentioned uh, Chloe's testimony uh, toward the end of uh, this morning's hearing where uh, she spoke to her parents the fact that they were coerced to go down this path. I want to play this clip because this is something you and I have talked about quite frequently, and it is a major leverage point that the left uses on these experimental uh, surgeries and treatments. Uh, play uh, the clip of, uh, of Chloe Clip 5. And my parents were required to sign off on these, um, but it was under duress. I don't think it was really consent. It was coercion. They were told, they were given the, the false dichotomy of either a child transitions or she dies. Now, that's not the first time we've heard that. Yep. Yeah, this is, this is a part of, I would say, almost a part of the intervention itself that it, it actually includes this manipulation uh, or threat that somebody's going to kill themselves if, if they don't get what they want. And I, to that, I would say, where, where do we do that in any other mental health practice? Um, <laughs> I mean, may, maybe we have some politicians who are willing to give crack pipes um, to, uh, to a drug addict, but, drug addict, but um, that's not actually good practice to give the person who's maybe struggling with some issue to lean into and further exploit that issue, rather to find out what's really going on with the person and help them work through it. 
So that's why we don't typically give people cocaine that are cocaine addicts. It's why we don't um, withhold food from anorexics. Um, we we want to help people uh, walk through those things and come into a place of healing. And then when it comes to this uh, so-called gender affirming care, what we are seeing is we, we actually lean into the problem instead of trying to resolve the distress that a child is feeling. I mean, isn't that unethical? I mean, to put that it's, type of yeah. pressure onto a parent saying, if you don't do this, your child's gonna kill themselves. It's highly unethical. And it's not based in any kind of good science or practice for that matter. Uh, there's nothing in the scientific literature that 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 can um, make that conclusion that a, a person can make that kind of statement. And and here's the other thing: um, I used to teach intervention research, and I would pick apart the things that we could do on a small scale that that we could kind of conceptualize as a, a means of intervening. And this in itself, it, I mean, I could take my class through this and show how introducing this line is actually an intervention. It's intended to motivate someone to, to follow the practice that you're um, advertising. And so it's, it's unethical because you're actually employing an intervention that has not been tested, uh, that is very dangerous, and it's just not a part of routine practice. So in, in trauma therapy, when someone is moving toward behavior that has historically been seen as destructive, you, you don't facilitate it. I, I would think the first step is try to find out what is underneath of it. What led you to this point? Is there some trauma that you've experienced in your life? But that seems to be absent when we're talking about the whole issue of transgenderism and the whole LGBTQ agenda. There's no stopping to ask questions why. Right. And and when you look at there are the studies that show, you know, or look at who's showing up for um, uh, in a clinical setting for gender dysphoria, most of the time you're talking about people who have one of three diagnoses, certainly others, but you see uh, PTSD is common, depression, anxiety disorders, and no one's stopping to say, you know, where did this come from and how can I help the child work through those issues? You know, it, Tony, it reminds me of a situation of a colleague, a former colleague of mine who was telling me about, this is an adult client who who was working with her um, on a trauma issue, and she was also seeing a gender therapist. And and here the the adult client said to my my former colleague, "I feel sick to my stomach every time the gender therapist asks me to say, um, you know, the name that's not my biological sex that that socially transitioned into a different uh, name." And she and then she said to my friend. A uh, former colleague, she said, you know, I think if I just work on the trauma, then maybe this gender therapist won't even be necessary. But here's the thing. This is an adult. Cause so you can imagine how hard it was for this adult to confront the gender therapist and say, I don't want, I'm, I'm feeling, this doesn't feel right to my spirit. This doesn't feel right to who I am. So, you know, this is a tall order for a 13-year-old child to say, you know, something just doesn't seem right, or I, I don't know, like, 
Well, maybe they, maybe we should put a hold on this. Did they, did I mean, they even what have child? The, did they have the capacity to think through yeah. that at that age? Absolutely not. They do not have the capacity, and we know that. I mean, our this this is where our government doesn't know the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. We have large scale studies going on at NIH that prove, um, with I mean, with strong evidence that that a child's brain is not developed often until 25. And most importantly, the structures of the brain that are most important to emotional functioning are not developed until later on in life. So no, children do not have the capacity to make these kinds of informed decisions. And and this is something parents need to be aware of. They need to be alert to the fact that this this is a becoming an industry driven by activists who are pushing children down this assembly line or disassembly line uh, and, and and they just need to stand up and say no they need to ask questions and they there's too much at stake at this and it is it is a spiritual battle and we need to be praying as well uh, Dr. Bowens, I want to thank you for uh, joining us, and uh, thank you for courageously uh, testifying up on uh, Capitol Hill today. Thank you, Tony. All right, uh, Jennifer Bowens. Find out more about her work, go to frc.org slash, well, just go to frc.org, or go to tonyperkins.com. It's right there. This this is a spiritual battle, and parents, you need to be praying over your children. And, and if these things come up in, in conversation with your kids, you need to seek counseling with a pastor, with, with other knowledgeable individuals. Do not allow your children to be sucked down this dark vortex. This is, this is a spiritual battle. And we need to wage it wisely. All right, we're out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 